Cybernetics with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the Robots Podcast, our first episode of 2016. My name is Jana and today we'll be talking about using small robots to harvest crystals for drug development and other applications. Swiss company Magnabotics was founded in 2014. Their researchers and engineers develop magnetic manipulation systems. Using applied magnetic fields, their systems provide wireless tools to accomplish challenging micromanipulation tasks. Magnabotics also produces the RodBot, a wireless rod-shaped micro-robot guided by magnetic field generating systems. Our interviewer Audro caught up with Simone Schurle, advisor to Magnabotics, to talk about applications for magnetic manipulation systems and micro-robots, including the harvesting of crystals for drug development. Hi, can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Simone Schürle and I'm a postdoc at MIT and my research is, in, is on micro and robotics for biomedical applications. And um, I co-founded a startup out of my PhD at ETH Zurich, Switzerland, which is called Magnabotics. Can you tell me what you do at Magnabotics? Out of my PhD, um, we sell um, a product, a electromagnetic manipulation system. So during my PhD, I was working on magnetic manipulation of micro-nano objects, looking at the propulsion techniques um, and a system to generate magnetic fields in 3D. Um, and I joined Brad Nelson's lab, who's an, who's an expert in, in magnetic manipulation. And so I was working on a scaled-down version of an electromagnetic manipulation system that was already in that lab. And that um, system, we um, call it the MFG, the Magnetic Field Generator, is now a product of, um, of Magnabotics. So basically I'm a um, technical advisor, as my, all my PhD was about the system and um, the calibration and performance measurements and um, optimizing this tool for micro-nano manipulation. Mm-hmm. And so what is kind of the application of this technology? Mm-hmm. So you can use the system in either in an inverted microscope or an upright microscope so you to visualize the tiny objects you want to maneuver and then um, think about well, think about area, areas where you would like to interact on a very, very small scale. This could be, for example, to work with single cells. So I've been doing single cell studies with biology labs. You could um, think of if you want to understand how small structures move, we explore complete new areas like the low Reynolds number regime, fluid dynamics that completely change when you when you go from, from big to small. And so you can study these, these effects um, um, just from a fundamental perspective, but you also have, as I said, you can interact on a small scale with living objects as cells. You can also... Um, if it is about maneuvering tiny objects, for example, in, in crystallography, where it is about um, extracting crystals and then to shoot X-rays on them to get their um, diffraction pattern, to get their structure, their atomic um, atomic structure of a crystal, um, this is where you have to handle extremely small objects. And the way to do this is can be also guided through magnetic micro-robots. And so before talking about crystallography, what I'd like to do is just... Uh understand the system and its parts 
So first there is the microscope. And so you have the different induction coils and that's how you control a little magnetic robot. Correct. I mean, so you on the one hand you need to visualize your robot. We need um, vision feedback. So you have your microscope and then you have... Um, and then you have your magnetic control system that consists of eight electromagnets that are arranged in a single hemisphere. We control the current through each of these eight coils, um, and then and then you you work in a in a works there's then a defined workspace of this um, of the system where you where you place your robot in in a in any kind of um, little dish or tank or whatever your environment or a um, 96 well plate or whatever you're working in. And, um, and then you um, can control your, your robot. And so what does the robot look like? And can you give me some idea of its actual size? Exactly. So you could, for example, work just with, a, just with any, any piece of magnetic material. So it could be a cylinder, a sphere. It could be just a, a flake of magnetic material, basically. Then, okay, then you say, is that really a robot? Well, the robotics is really in the system that generates the, the magnetic fields from outside to control it. But you can also make use of very smart um, or different ways of um, oscillating magnetic fields, rotating magnetic fields, so um, dynamic fields that can um, introduce different kinds of, of motion. So you would not just pull on a magnetic object where you apply field gradients to make it move, like a magnet attracts another magnet, but you can also, um, there are stepping motions, or if you think of, um, if you, you could have a, a magnetic helix, um, and if this is magnetic and you apply a rotating magnetic field, it will propel forward. So this is a concept inspired by bacteria who also have a, they have a helix, they, can, they have a flagella, they have this um, rotational modes of, of forward propulsion, and inspired by that, you can apply this also to magnetic helices and propel them basically in this corkscrew-like forward motion. And, um, and these things you can... Uh, so this could be a robot. We have other robots that are um, based on... So this was um, from some guys in, in, in my former lab before. They're called the magmites. So these are two, two um, magnets that are connected through, through a spring, and you basically have a... Um, you have a field that um, oscillates and back robot, and forth, right? and then the ro- exactly, and then you have a hammering motion, basically impact-driven motion, just based on an oscillating magnetic field, where one, the magnets that are connected to the spring, and one would hammer against the other, and it would push it, uh, it pushes itself forward by that. So you can think of all different kinds of, of ways. So you could have surface walkers. You just need a cylinder, apply a rotating magnetic field, and it can basically tumbles over a surface. And so now I'd like to get into crystallography. Can you tell me first why, like what, what is being done in crystallography and why is it important? So crystallography is a very, very old technique. We actually just had uh, 100 years of crystallography in 2014. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, um, and all it is about is, of course, uh, getting um, X-ray diffraction patterns um, of, um, of structures, figuring out uh, the atomic... Um, so what are these crystals? Are crystals of proteins that sorry. have been frozen? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, this is just crystallography in general. Now, why um, you ask why is, crystallo- why is crystallography until today so important? Well, this is when we want to to figure out new structures, understand what they are composed of, and how the structure looks like. And so, for example, in um, in um, there are protein crystals. Like our body is composed of. <laughs> Um, all different kinds of uh, protein arrangements and we're just about um, identifying, for example in diseases, more and more protein um, target proteins potential target proteins that we would like to um, attack um, in drug development so um, therefore you want to you wanna understand 
the, first the structure of the protein, and then the interaction of a potential ligand that you want to bind to that target protein, so the, as you could call it in the circuitous disease. And so what, you, um, what, what people do then is basically you, you extract and grow protein crystals of that kind um, externally, and then you add your ligand, and then you send this to a synchrotron, shoot your X-rays on it, and, and get and get the um, collector X-ray diffraction pattern data to figure out if this is a, if actually binding has happened and what the structure um, looks like. So this is very important, for example, in drug development. I see. And so tell me about your system and how it relates to crystallography. So now imagine um, in um, crystallography, um, as I said, this process. Right now, I mean, we, we get certain protein targets often um, are basically presented by academia, published in papers. These are potential targets, uh, protein targets we want to now have a, um, find a ligand for. So in so pharma industry comes in, they, um, they, there are huge libraries of potential ligands that could bind now to this, to this protein. Um, and... And now there are, you can model, of course, what kind of interaction can happen. So you can already knock down a couple of, um, of potential candidates. But then you do the experiment, you grow the crystals. And then, and this is, a lot has been automated by, of course, robotic automation. There are, um, you, how the crystals are grown. They are grown, like, hundreds at the same time. They are then manipulated by robotic arms to different um, stations. They are, like, um, they're very um, finicky. They have different temperatures you have to maintain. So basically, these crystals have then been growing for um, for weeks, and um, all is optimized. And then um, they're still in this process chain before you can actually send them off um, to the synchrotron. And most pharma companies have like every two weeks slot um, booked where they where all their crystals would get their crystal ligand interactions would get analyzed. Now um, there's still this one step um, that is manual until today, um, and this is harvesting the crystal, meaning getting it out of its growth solution where it sits in. Is a little droplets where they grow in. And um, so there would sit a highly trained physicist um, who, who has a tiny nylon loop in his hands underneath a microscope, looks for a microscope, trying to, to fish out crystals that, are, um, that, have the width, uh, that have the size of the width of your hair. And these crystals can be extremely fragile because they contain uh, sometimes up to 90% uh, 90% water content. So you might touch it and, and it just breaks. And um, they like to grow at very cold temperatures so sometimes um, people are just working in a cold room to hours to fish to fish out the crystals so it clearly this is a, an error prone process and also not very um, not very pleasant to do so we felt there's a need for um, for automation and clearly a micro robot um, <laughs> could do that finicky job and so we found a solution for that and we um, we designed a certain type of of robot, um, we call it the Rodbot because it's actually just a a, a rod that is um, composed of a polymer with soft magnetic posts in it. So there are um, there's a magnetic material in it that it, we can magnetize it in a way that it basically, when you apply a rotational magnetic field, our Rodbot rolls on the surface. And how large are these robots? Okay, good question. So the robot is about the size of the crystal, so it's 60 micrometer um, in width and up to 300 micrometer long. Can you give me an idea of scale? And your hair is about 80 micrometer in width, so it's about uh, the, the width of your hair.
And then so looking at the rod bot, it looks like it has holes in it or are those the magnets? These are the magnets, exactly. I see, so it has several magnets placed along its length and it's basically a rectangular prism. Correct, yeah. And we have to have these posts and perpendicular to its long axis to get this magnetization direction perpendicular to its axis so it can roll on the first surface exactly in the way we, um, we need it. And now you would think, okay, we can just approach a crystal and push it. Um, but actually what happens, um, we, we don't even get in touch with it because we, because we are in an interesting fluid dynamics range due to the size. We, um, there's a vortex generated that as soon as we come close to the crystal, it and lifts vortex. it up. So <laughs> basically um, fluid um, streamlines like a in a way. Kind of yeah, <laughs> that um, lifts it up that lifts the crystal up and shuggles it basically um, on top of it. So we have a non-contact manipulation technique, which is very nice it, um, for these fragile crystals so that they don't break. They ba- basically get trapped in this um, fluidic swirl, if you want to call it so. And so it rides on top of the rod bot. Correct. Without touching it without because touching. of the whirl, yeah. the vortex. Yeah. And then you bring it where? And then, um, so the, the rod bot comes in through a, um, these magnetic, uh, these, sorry, these loops, these crystallography loops, which are basically just like a, like a fishing net, it looks like. So it basically drops the crystal then in that net or spoon, like, like, basket, like a basketball. And then, um, and, then you, and then this is taken out and, um, and the crystal is cooled, um, cooled down. And, um, and then it's sent off, um, can be prepared for the crystallography. And so the rest of the process is pretty much automated. Correct. I mean, so our vision of the whole process integration is that through a robotic arm, the rod bot sits in this kind of loop or basketball net, um, gets introduced, gets, well, put into the drop where the crystal is. You have um, computer vision to identify your, um, your target crystal. Um, you identify your your rod bot. Um, then there is um, automated path planning to approach the crystal. You have your target, this basketball loop. Drop it in. Once it's in there, automatically um, a robot arm is taking out this loop, um, cryo cooling, and and done. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you can analyze the crystals, see if things have binded, and then use that for drug development. Correct. Now, so how do you control the crystal? Uh, I, I know you're using magnetic fields to move it. Is an operator sitting with a joystick, or are you, you mentioned computer vision? Is it automated? Yes. So this is the so right. Um, this is the, the ultimate um, goal. Of course, to have true automation, this is, you, you don't want to have any operator sitting sitting there anymore. And um, and this is yes, there are already established um, uh, computer vision algorithms to detect the crystal. Um, it's not an easy environment where they grow, and um, but it is. Um, there are Im- improvements, and you can improve also the, the environmental conditions of the, these growth conditions. So you can identify the crystals. To identify the rod, but it's it's very easy, and um, so then you have the goal and the, <laughs> and the object, and then you just uh, define the, the shortest path to it. Yeah. Now the rod bot, these are single-use little micro robots, mm-hmm. but they're non-contact. Why is it that they're single-use? Um, because it's just, I mean, to fish out then the, the rod bot again, or, okay, you could um, move that towards something. It's just like the, the, um, these loops. So when the operator would sit there and do it manually, the loop he's using to fish it out is a single-use item. And basically what we do is combine the single-use item 
with a rod bud. And then when you're done, when this crystal is then is then done, you have to go anyways to a new drop, and then you you have to introduce a new loop with a with a new rod bud. So basically, that's why the rod bud is also single use. However, in um, as this is all can be all batch fabricated, and and I mean this is a the process of, of making these rod bots is, um, is, in, is lithography based, so it's in microsystems fabrication. It's um, you generate thousands of them. Um, on a silicon vapor, so. <laughs> and they're extremely cheap? And that's why they, they are extremely Relative cheap. Relative yes. to the rest of the system? Or? Yes, of course, yeah, as a consumable. And so way, the way it works is you sell the system for moving the rod bot. Yeah. And then you sell set many, I don't know, hundreds or millions of rod bots, and those are used for the crystallography? Correct. So basically they are... In crystallography, are suppliers that um, that sell these nylon loops, these these loops to, to manually fish out, and then there will be just also loops that have a rod bot already in, preloaded. And can you tell me a bit of the challenges that you've had in developing your product with Magnabotics? Well, um, maybe let me let me tell you the story of how how we actually got to to the rod bot. And, um, and on this way, the challenges um, we had. And so um, it all started, we actually, it was a, it was a science fair at, at ETH, did, and it was open to public. And there was a crystallographer, um, David Sargent, who's also part of the company, um, of course. And he saw these, um, the magmites that I just um, explained before, these little um, impact-driven little micro-robots we're having. And we had them um, just performing. Basically, we used them also for nano soccer and um, and other kind of competitions in the field of um, of micro robotics. And they're super fast. And he was very impressed. And as a crystallographer, he thought, though, wow, that is kind of neat. How about using them to push crystals? Because I don't want to fish the crystals um, out by my um, out by hand by myself anymore. Um, that looks pretty neat. Well, and so um, we said, let's give it let's give it a shot. Um, and a colleague of mine, uh, she. She was working with the, the magmites, and they were sitting together and trying this. And then they, they figured um, that is a little bit too too hard on the crystals. They um, they um, they can break, and they would um, and they were thinking about using using other other ways. And how in the end? And then they thought about well, it was also a little bit the frequency con- the controllability. So they kind of changed to let's maybe just use a just use a a flat piece or, or a cylinder. They started with a cylinder because it's easy to fabricate and just try to gently push um, against it of that with a fine gradient-based control and not just um, impact um, a driven hammer motion. And that's, uh, so fine gradient control, that's pulling it towards a stronger magnetic field, correct? So, I mean, you have your arrangement of the electromagnets uh, in your, in your outside your workspace. You work in the center of this, let's say, Two rings of, of um, electromagnets, and um, and and yes, and then you would basically just work on one electromagnet, pull a little bit more than the other um, to move it in that direction. So um, they were trying to do that, but then it was um, they had their issues. There were issues then um, then there, and then they um, applied. You, sometimes you just play around <laughs> in research also, and then and since the system can apply all these different kinds of um, of fields and gradients and. Applied some rotational modes and uh, thought they would roll towards it, and uh, and then they realized when they rolled towards it, it was actually it, it got lifted up, and um, and so this is basically how the rod bot was then born, and it was all an optimizing um, 
um, a way of, of making robots more efficient in a magnetization way and so on. And then, um, well, challenges were also that, that things would like to stick and then so you would need to think of... Um, a certain surface functionalization so that the robot doesn't interact so much with with, um, with the environment. Now what have been some of the major challenges for getting it to a product? Well, um, of course um, you can also ask why, why has there been no automation so far? It's an extremely complex environment so there are really um, there is no commercial solution available that um, of course, I mean there are different other um, physical manipulation techniques that have been suggested, but for example, any um, piezo actuator, like any robotic arm, so far it's it's still this environment is too complex to to accomplish it that way. They have been why is that? Why is it too small? It is. Um, it's kind of the dexterity that you that you um, that is required, mm-hmm. and um, basically yes, it's the dexterity and the and the size and the fragility that. Um, most techniques are so from the, the classic robotics is of course through contact and then um, it, it damages the crystal mm-hmm. and um, so for us the, the hurdle is um, you have done when you when you go so small of course you have you can have things can start sticking you have just I mean Wonder Wolf's forces are getting <laughs> all over a sudden um, um, are a big thing or you have a, a capillary force there are different other forces you, you deal with and, and things just like to stick um, and, and this can be a problem for example yes and then what advice do you have for yourself say when you were 20 years old uh, relating to research learn um Learn one thing really, really good. Have your have your solid background, um, your home, your root, basically, and um, and then branch out and and be diverse and and try and, and learn as much as you as you can and combining and using this this kind of solid background um, with it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And that's the end of today's episode. Remember, you can access all our past episodes as well as lots more information about the latest news and developments in robotics on our website at robohub.org. We'll be back with a very special celebratory cast in two weeks' time when it's the podcast's 200th episode. Until then, goodbye. Magnetics with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.